when an alien gives a man a warning, who's at fault when things go awry? And then what do you get when you cross a young boy with a vengeful PE teacher? You get a ghost story that'll shock you to your core. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. I haven't seen Thanksgiving yet. I need to go see Thanksgiving. My boy Milo Mannheim is in it. Star of Zombies, Zombies 2, and Zombies 3. Don't look for those on Netflix. Those are all Disney Channel movies, but I can't believe I haven't seen Thanksgiving yet. What a way to start off an episode remembering that you're supposed to go do something. But someone who always remembers to see Thanksgiving, a man who loves everything Milo's in, a Disney Plus super fan walking into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Cat Cans. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Ha ha ha! Yeah, he's crawling on all fours. Crawling on all fours, carrying around autographed picture of Milo Mannheim. Jason, this is my first episode. I've never listened to this podcast before. I have no idea what you're talking about. Who's Milo Mannheim? Anyways, Cat Cans, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Cat Cans was actually a live stream contributor, a Thanksgiving live stream contributor. So thank you very much. Cat Cans, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the show financially. That's totally fine. It truly is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Cat Cans, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command and drive us all the way out to Canada. Nice leisurely drive up to meet our neighbor to the north, Canada. Specifically, we're headed to St. Jerome. That is in Quebec, Canada. It's November 24th, 1979. It's four in the morning. It's super early to be up and about, but that's who we're going to look at. There's this guy. We don't have his real name. We're going to call him Duke. Duke is driving home. It's four in the morning. Passing the occasional car. You know, not a lot of people are out at four in the morning. He's headed home. And he starts to... It's so funny because according to my notes, he begins to feel tired for no reason. Being awake at four in the morning might do that to you, buddy. He's getting tired for no reason. He's driving, and he's afraid that he's going to crash into something. We've all been there, right? You're feeling too tired to drive. You think about pulling over. You think that might be a good idea. It's kind of creepy, though, too, depending on where you're at. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, Compton, city of dreams. But I sure am tired. I'm going to pull over here on Crenshaw Boulevard, take a nap. I mean, you have to... (laughs) Or I could just be falling asleep, but at least they can make it through Compton. You kind of got to pick your poison, right? To be fair, most people aren't falling asleep in Compton, but you know what I mean? I also wouldn't want to be driving through like a wooded area. Because I'd be afraid like a bear would start pushing my car. (laughs) He's like trying to get the picnic basket. He's all, whoa, hey, boo-boo, I see a picnic basket in this car. And a delicious human. I would rather drive sleepy. <laughs> that accounts for my seven car accidents I've been in. We're meeting this guy here. His name is Duke. He's driving on the road. He's sleepy. 
he feels like something bad's going to happen. He sees bears on the side of the road. He's like, nope, not pulling over there. He sees a bunch of gang members on the other side of the road. Huh? Nope, I'm just going to keep on driving. But he still has this feeling that something bad's going to happen. When suddenly, a cloud appears in front of his car. <laughs> the sleepiest imagery you could possibly think of, right? A cloud. A thick cloud. Nature's pillows. He sees this cloud appear in front of him, and he drives into the cloud. And the car is just continuing to drive through this cloud, this low fog bank. Invisibility zero. He can't see anything in front of him. He can't see anything around the car. This is wake you up too, right? Driving through the fog. As comfortable as it looks, you can't sleep on clouds. He's driving. When all of a sudden, as he's driving through this fog, he hears the sound of somebody knocking on his car door. Creepy, right? That's that's pretty terrifying. He hears the knocking and he's driving and then he exits the fog bank and crashes into a car. Now, it wasn't a terrible accident, despite that sound effect. I'm all calling it a lifelight. Helicopter medics are like, he's here, he's here, get the jaws of life. Ripping the car open. Yogi Bear is standing in the corner. He's like, oh, is there a, is there a decapitated human? That is my favorite treat, boo-boo. No, it's obviously it was just like a fender bender. But he did hit this car. We know it was a fender bender because he was able to drive home. Was able to get his car. There's mangled remains from the people in the car that he hit. He's like, oh, whatever. Driving on the road. He gets back home. And that's when he realizes that he has lost two hours of time. Now, the interesting thing about UFO encounters, we're just getting started with the story, but the interesting thing about UFO encounters is a good bulk of them, you don't know anything happened unless you have missing time. Let's say he got home. Let's say that he got home and just goes, man, what a night. Driving through the fog, stalked by Yogi Bears. Horrible, horrible night. Got in a car accident. He throws all his stuff down on the couch, crawls right into bed, falls asleep. Wakes up a couple hours later, starts his day. You wouldn't know that you had lost two hours in that situation. If you don't walk in and check your clock, I mean, it's four in the morning. If you start to see the sunrise, you may go, well, that's weird. How come the sun's rising? It's, it shouldn't be rising this early. But for the mo- think about how often we live our lives on autopilot. You could easily lose two hours not every single day but i mean there could be a time where you could lose two hours and not even be aware of it you're coming home from a party and you just crash and then you wake up and you go man it doesn't feel like i got a great night's sleep i wish i was slept more but you wouldn't go oh i lost two hours you would wake up at six like you would always or eight or whenever you set your alarm you know what i mean if he did not know that he had lost two hours, if he had walked home and gone completely to bed, if he didn't have any appointments with anyone, if he didn't have anything to do, if he just crashed, metaphorically in this case, at his house and woke up later in the day, he would have never known he lost two hours. And it makes you wonder how many 
times people do have alien interactions and they don't realize it. That could be a big reason why they take people while they're sleeping. I think part of it could be you're less likely to resist. But we see so many stories with these aliens. And again, we got more of this stuff. This story gets even weirder. But they're so powerful, it's very, very hard to resist. But if you got abducted at 3 in the morning and they dropped you back off at 6 in the morning and your alarm goes off at 7, you would never know. You would never know. You would have no lost time. You wouldn't have any frame of reference. You would just go, that was weird. Your eyeballs are bleeding. You have all these alien implants in your brain. You're looking in the mirror. You're like, something's different about me. Little cybernetic spiders crawling into your ear. You wouldn't know that you'd lost time. Because aliens can pick you up in the middle of the day. We've covered stories like that. I'll try to find one for the show notes. In this case, the guy was driving a car. Because this is what happened. Once he realizes he missed two hours, his two, two hours lost time, that would make you feel uncomfortable. You would really, really be concerned what happened in that time period. So he starts to look into it, starts to wonder about what could have happened in those two hours of lost time. And eventually, this is generally what happens, he went to a hypnotist. He undergoes hypnosis to find out what happened in those two hours. And this is what he remembers. Driving down the road, super tired. Feels like something bad's about to happen. Drives into the fog bank. He hears the knock on the door. And the next thing he knows, he's inside this massive object. It's like he, it's, to him, it's a room. He can see that it's a room, but he can tell that this is a room in a bigger building or a room in some sort of vessel. It's not like he was teleported to the local Home Depot. Everything's made of stainless steel. He realizes that he's in some sort of object. He's in this singular room of a much bigger place. And he goes, these two humanoids appeared. So very human looking Yet you can tell something about them as off. There weren't gray aliens. They looked human, but there's something enough about them that you could tell that they were alien. He said these two humanoids appeared, a male and a female. He said the dude was super hostile. He did not want me to be there. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to abduct somebody, it should be someone you like. Just a little tip. The dude, he goes, was super hostile, but the woman was very chill. Good alien, bad alien type of thing. And he was told to lay down on this cold steel table. And when he did, he said that they started to do examinations on me. He didn't go into specifics. They begin to examine me. I, I would imagine it was nothing too invasive because otherwise you would be screaming at the hypnotist office. You're like, my eyes, my eyes. They replaced my eyes. Just they were checking them out. Now, apparently, again, the power level of these aliens, I don't know if they took his entire car up to this UFO or if there was some sort of just like... Because the idea when you lose time, it's basically like you're plucked up and two hours is still passing on Earth while they're doing whatever they want to on their vessel or in their base here on Earth. And then they put you back. Two hours had passed in Earth time. Remember, his car was driving through the fog on a road. So I think they abducted the entire car. 
I think when he entered that fog bank was actually when the abduction process started. From what it sounds like, they abducted the entire car because he is taken back to his car. These two humanoids take Duke back to his car, and as he's getting inside of it, the male alien says, Do not touch the steering wheel. Keep your hands off the steering wheel. Okay, we're getting you in your car. Duke's like, okay, <laughs> it's weird, right? You're already abducted. All this stuff's going on. This alien's a jerk to you. But now as you're getting into your car, he goes, do not touch the steering wheel. And Duke's like, oh, okay. And the next thing Duke knows, he's sitting in his car and he's rolling through the fog bank. And he immediately grabs the steering wheel and crashes into another car. So had he done what the alien said, had he just kept his hands in his lap, the aliens had actually, when they abducted, so crazy, when they abducted him, and I believe they took the whole car, otherwise you have some sort of time warp going on on Earth. Because the car would have to be paused there on that road in St. Jerome. We have seen them abduct cars before. They abduct the car, they abduct him, they take him to examinations, they take him back to his car, and they're putting him in, and they go, don't touch the steering wheel. And then the next thing he knows, his car is rolling through a fog bank. He has no visibility, so what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to grab the steering wheel, because you think you're going to crash. And when he grabbed the steering wheel, he caused the crash. The aliens knew the point that they were putting him back in, there was another car coming. They knew they were putting him back in a situation that if this guy touched the wheel, he was going to accidentally crash the car. It's one of those stories that on, on one hand is, and I love stories like this. That's why I love doing this podcast. On one hand, it's a super simple story. A guy gets abducted by aliens, they examine him, they put him back down on Earth. But again, this story shows the power level of these aliens. They, from what I can tell, abducted the entire car and him as it's driving down the road. And they go, okay, this is where we want to drop him off and because this, this is where we picked him up from. We, we don't want him to know any of this happened. We want him to be at the same spot that we dropped him off. Hopefully he doesn't check his watch. Hopefully he doesn't check a clock. He just goes home and sleeps. But if we drop him off here, there's another car coming right now. And we know how humans are. They freak, they freak out in the fog. He's going to try to drive the car. Don't touch the wheel. And the aliens are basically... One, entrusting him not to touch the wheel, but also saying, we are not going to let you get in a car accident. If you if you let us drive the car for just about 30 feet, you will not hit anything. But instead, all the, imagine if you were sitting in a car, you were tired, and the next thing you know, you're rolling through a fog bank, and your hand's not on the wheel. The first thing you're going to do is to grab that wheel. That is just how humans work. And when he grabbed the wheel, he actually crashed into the other car. Not a major car accident. And there's a lot of interesting questions like, did the other car see the fog bank? Because not that we know of. Not that we know of. It was, I mean, we didn't get any stories from that. This was actually, I found this on Think About It, Docs.com. They got it from a Canadian UFOologist called Francois Bourbeau. And it was out of a magazine called Spectra. I don't know if it's a magazine or a book, but it's a... a um, a periodical or a published document about UFO event. Super interesting. It again shows that 
power level. And the reason why I wanted to cover this today was because yesterday I talked about, I said, aliens can abduct cars. Um, they don't do it very often, but we do see it. And I thought I had this story ready to go for it, but I go, that's actually a really interesting follow-up because it's tricky. Abducting a human out of a bed is pretty low effort. Right? I mean, you can get the interns to do that. But pulling a man and his vehicle off of a planet and then putting it back in the same location hours later, that's, uh, we, we can't do There's nothing we can really do. We can kidnap people as a society. I'm not saying I'm not, rec- <laughs> not recommending it, although remember my tip, if you're going to kidnap someone, you should at least like them. I think that, you know, we would not be able to do that outside of a Fast and the Furious movie. We would not be able to fly around to pick up a car. Actually, I've done that in a couple of Fast and the Furious movies, but you know what I mean? Like, you can't, we don't have that. It sounds so simple, but the level of technology it would take. You're like, Jason, we can pick up cars. We can pick up cars. Yeah. Yeah, but then, you know, like to put it back in the same location. Okay, maybe it's not that. Take me to a junkyard. I'm like, wowzers. Look at that claw picking up that car. You know what I mean? It, it's pretty spectacular. And if he had listened to the aliens, and I'm usually a big anti-alien guy. I don't think you should ever listen to aliens. I'm glad, he, I'm glad he grabbed that wheel just to show that jerk who's boss. Sometimes the aliens are going to give you good advice. In this case, don't touch the steering wheel because he did. And he didn't remember that. He may not have. I think that's the funniest part, too, is that they wiped his memory. and They wiped that part out as well. He gave him a warning, and then they're like, <laughs> for the memory wipe. He's like, huh, what? Ah! And the next thing you know, he's driving a car. Fantastic UFO encounter story. I also like the imagery of drive. I mean, that's that alone is like the creep. That's worth the price of admission. The guy driving to the fog bank and hearing someone knock on the side of his car door. Like, I mean, that should just be the opening of an X-Files episode. Cat cans, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the carbon copter. We are saying goodbye to Quebec. Fly us all the way out to Indiana. Cat cans, we are hanging out in Indiana. Specifically, we're in Anderson, Indiana. And we're walking outside Highland Middle School. Bunch of kids got their backpacks on. They got like unspeakable. They're all into the YouTubers. Whoa, dude. Like and subscribe if I should show up to class on time. Come on, Billy. Let's go. Like and subscribe if me yelling at Billy is great. Everyone is an influencer at this school. People are running around. It's just a random middle school. Right? They're all like that. You're like, oh, is this a school for YouTubers? No, they're all like that now. Everyone's running around. Like and subscribe, bros. Aardvark's rule. They're all running. I don't know what the mascot is. You're like, wait, what? You're like, wait. That was nonsensical. I don't know what their mascot is. Let's just pretend it's the fighting Aardvark. Kids are running around with their backpacks on. Running into school. And we all sit down on the steps outside of the school. And I go, you know what's really weird about this? Like, this middle school is bigger than most high schools. At least the ones that I ever attended. This middle school's massive. But one of the reasons why is it used to actually be a high school. 
And you understand high schools have to be big because you have all sorts of different classes. You got like your wood shop and your auto shop and you got your ROTC and then you got all the clubs and giant libraries and all this stuff. This is a massive middle school. We're just kind of sitting on the stairs. Used to be a high school. It used to be Highland High School back in the day. And if I was... (laughs) Jason, why are we sitting on the stairs? Is the ghost story take place in front of us? I was like, nah, I'm just, I'm just too lazy. The place we're supposed to be is way in the back of the school. Ah, fine. Let's get up. We're walking, walking all the way over. It's a big school. We walk into the auditorium and we sit where all the people would sit during assemblies and stuff like that. School plays. Sit back down. (laughs) Sitting back down as fast as I can. I go, okay, now we're in the place where we should be let's now go back to the time we should be in back to the old glory days of highland high school we're sitting in this place and now it's a gymnasium this place used to be a gymnasium now it's the back when this was a high school this was the gymnasium and we're back and, and this is one of the stories that takes place decades ago i couldn't find an exact time period <laughs> You're like, click, we're shutting this episode off. It's just going to be some nonsense ghost story that middle school kids tell each other. Do better, Jason. <laughs> whatever, whatever. This is the nature of ghost stories sometimes. I, I think I found a little bit that can make this real, but we'll get to that at the end <laughs> after I've tricked you into listening to the rest of it. We're sitting here and these kids are playing basketball. It's PE class. And the coach comes in and he blows his whistle. He's like, it's a water whistle. It's a little duck. Water shooting out of it. I don't want to be loud for the people who listen to this podcast while they're sleeping. The PE t- coach comes out and he goes, get in line, you maggots. This took place a long time ago. You could call kids fun stuff like that. You little grubs, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're never going to amount to anything. Life is hard, but I'm hard. Coach probably shouldn't be yelling that out loud in high school. But I'm harder, and I'm going to beat you kids down, literally and metaphorically. But first, the literal part. Run, run, you runts, run. And the kids are like, (sighs) high school students running in a circle. We've all been there. We've all at one point been a high school student running around in a circle. Some kids are fast. Some kids are slow. Every so often you get three or four girls that are just walking, talking to each other. Coach is like, ladies, pick up the pace. And they jog for like three or four steps and then they stop running. Coach isn't going to, you know, push them any harder. It's not worth the trouble. These girls are all smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. (laughs) Anyways, their lungs are completely shot. He's like, I know they can't run. They couldn't run on a good day. But the boys, the coach has no pity for. Run, run, run. And all these boys are running in a circle. (sighs) Some of them are athletes. Some of them are fast and lean. Other ones are just normal boys. So they're trying to keep up, but they're not trying to set any records. They're not trying to impress anybody, nothing like that. But in the back of the pack, we're about to meet this young high school student. We'll call him Charlie. He's doing his best, but he can barely do a lap. And Charlie's, uh, he's described as small. He was a small guy, most likely a freshman, 
kind of frail. <laughs> I just imagine like little bones, little bony man running around out there. He just wasn't well developed. He was never going to be an athlete. He'd be lucky if he had. He's never going to be an athlete. Part of PE, he just has to run in the circle. He's trying his best. <sighs> he's running. And the coach is like, faster, Charlie. Keep running. And Charlie's like, <gasps> this boy's running. Now, here's the thing. Charlie has asthma. And it's not a secret. He is fully aware. <laughs> he woke up at for school. He's like, ah, oh, yes. Finally, I'm 14 years old. I don't know what this mysterious non-breathing thing is. Uh, sure, he knew that he had asthma. His friends knew he had asthma. It's most likely that the teacher knew he had asthma. And this is what's interesting about the time span. If this story took place today, the teacher would be fully aware that the student has asthma. Teachers have to know about nut allergies and all sorts of things. But as you go farther back in time, a teacher in the 60s or 70s, they may not even know what asthma is, right? You just have some PE teacher who used to play local football and now he's the PE teacher, and he's just making kids run in a circle. And he has a teaching degree. He doesn't know anything else about what's going on. Teacher might have known he had asthma. Maybe not. But Charlie's trying his best. And he's slowing down even more. And Coach is like, run, run, run. You Keep running, Charlie. Keep <laughs> Take that golden ticket and get home. Don't stop until you find your grandpa. Charlie's all running. He's like, what? He's getting delusional. There's no oxygen coming to his brain. He's like, what was that? All of a sudden, he looks down. He has a golden ticket. He's like, we're getting in. He's running. And the coach keeps yelling, faster, faster. Keep running. Run, run, run. And Charlie's like, <gasps> Charlie collapses. And then he struggles to get to his feet. Run, you wimp! Run! Charlie starts to slowly move, but not run. Run! Run! Charlie. Ugh. Collapses. Again. And the coach is yelling across the gymnasium. <laughs> Get up, you loser. And the other kids are still running in a circle. And eventually, one of them is passing the student who's out. He's done. Right? You can only step over this kid for so many laps. Before you go, oh, I better check on Charlie. <laughs> and steal his golden ticket while he's deep asleep. One of the students walks up, one of the students running and he sees Charlie slumped over and he runs up to the body and he starts to be like, Charlie, get up, buddy. Charlie. 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 And as the coach is yelling across the gymnasium, get up. The other, the other classmate goes, he's dead, coach. Fatal asthma attack. And what's interesting is when we have a story like this, I always like to... I got this from the Shadowlands.net. When I have a story like this, it has a precise address. 
really tried finding if there was any report of a kid suffering an asthma attack and dying in a school because it would make the news. And you know what I found? A bunch. This happens to a bunch of kids. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. I was trying to zone in on just this town, and I was still pulling up articles across the. Really, most of the articles were popping around like the mid two thousands to now, which is kind of when internet news kind of consolidated. You can usually go back about that far with the local news station news. But I was looking for a very specific case: a child who died of an asthma attack at a middle school. I also have to admit, for this story, I also typed in the layout of a middle school. I was trying to get a, <laughs> I was trying to get like a view and photos of the map. And that same night, I was researching a ghost story and ended up calling an Arby's in Anderson because apparently there's a haunted Arby's out there. I know you guys are licking your lips for that story. Save that for a future episode. But um, so I'm sure I'm on some sort of Indiana investigative units watch list now. They're like, wait a second. So this guy across the country is calling up Arby's asking about ghosts and was trying to find the layout of the local middle school because I want to see what the auditorium looked like, right? But anyways, and I was also children dead at this middle school. It's not going to look good for me if the Indiana Bureau of Investigation, the IBI, comes after me. You have... I was looking for this, and what was super interesting, I didn't do a formal study, but I was looking at people, kids who died of asthma attacks at school, and I was looking at all these articles that weren't specifically this case, and what I was finding was... A lot of these kids dying on Saturdays, not at school. Because my search was picking up enough of the words. It almost seemed like there has been this big sea change in schools. Where it's like, oh, you have asthma? Make sure that you don't die. (laughs) These other kids, they're expendable. But you, sir, you get to live. It seemed to be like a lot of these kids who were having fatal asthma attacks were on Saturdays. And I don't know if it's Little League stuff. I don't know if they were out playing. I did find this one horrible story. I didn't... I'll go find it again. I wasn't really going to cover it on this. But there was a kid, I think it was in Canada, where you're not allowed to carry your own inhaler on you. I don't know if it's like some stupid drug law. And this kid had to smuggle in inhalers and he would get caught every so often and the office would confiscate his inhaler. And then what do you think happened? He died of an asthma attack at school because he didn't have his inhaler on him. I would sue that school into oblivion. I'd sue that local government into oblivion. But anyways, other than that, other than that reprehensible case, I'll put the details in the show notes, that article. Most of these kids seem to be dying of asthma attacks not in school. So that was a long way of saying I wasn't able to find any proof that this story was real. I really, really tried. The farther you went back, because there's so many of these. If it was, if it never happened, then it would stick out like a sore thumb news-wise. But because of that, it just happened all the time. Kids dying of asthma attacks. It would kind of get lost in the news, especially if this story took place in the 60s or the 70s, much, much earlier on. It did happen when, apparently happened when Highland High School was still a high school. But let's get to the ghost part of this. Let's get to the ghost part of this. Because this is one of those stories that I love that seems like a simple ghost story, but says a lot about the ghost phenomenon. What the reported haunting is, is that when you're in the auditorium, so it is no longer a gymnasium, is now an auditorium. You go there to see kids do plays and get awards for being good in plays or whatever. 
every so often you'll be sitting there and you will hear the sound of somebody running laps. Feet hitting the ground. I can't do that sound effect very well, so I'll just do the breathing one. Just imagine the... The walking or the running sound effect. Doing laps. The sound effect of somebody doing laps around the auditorium. And and sometimes, some people have reported that you will actually feel a blast of air like rush past you. So it's like if you're standing in that spot where this phantom, supposedly Charlie, is running, feel a gust of wind. Now, that is what we would call a recorded haunting. These are hauntings that have no real soul connected to them. This was a tragic event that was memorialized in time. This is when you see a violent murder take place. A ghost murder, not a real one. But you see a violent murder take place. You're in this house in Savannah, Georgia, and you hear a thump, 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 thump. And you find out, it sounds like someone's falling down the stairs, and you find out, 180 years ago, a wife was pushed down the stairs by her maniacal husband. It's not actually the woman's soul trapped in that moment, falling down the stairs. And you can't interact with it in any way. It's it's be the same thing as trying to yell at a record, going, sing louder, Michael Jackson, sing louder. It's not going to help. It's not going to help. You can't do anything with it. It's a recording that's kind of stuck in time. But, so if that was all that it was, this is just one of a million types of encounters like this. What I find fascinating about this, and if you think about it, the ghost running laps is a kid running laps. It's not the sound of a kid struggling to run laps. You don't hear his breaths. (gasps) That's like Tim the Toolman Taylor. You don't hear that. You just hear the sound of someone running laps. If it was a recording of his death, it should be that death march. It should be heavy footfalls as he's clinging to life. No, it's actually like he's now able to, in death, do what he was unable to do in life, which is run laps. So that's an interesting thing right there, but you could still go to a recorded haunting. But there have been sightings of Charlie in this auditorium. And that, again, is a name I just made up. I wasn't able to find a name for this guy. There have been sightings of him in the auditorium and backstage. He's described as kind of a smaller young man, smaller teenager. And people have described him as looking... This is heartbreaking. People have described him as looking, quote, terribly sad. You don't even want that... You don't even want that description about you while you're alive let alone while you're an eternal spirit. So now we have a sound of a ghost running the way, making the same noises equivalent to it, how he died. But they're stronger. Like this is a full running around the lap as opposed to halting footsteps of a dying boy. We have sightings of him looking terribly sad. Is that actually him? Is that, again, a recording of him before he died well again i kept digging right i found this original thing on the shadowlands.net kept digging in 
to find out. There's two Highland High Schools. I had to find out exactly which one it took place in. Nowadays, this is so fascinating because we talk about this a lot on the show, and I sometimes I, I worry that I get too into the, the weeds with this type of stuff because I know I can go on and on for hours about this type of stuff. What's fascinating is the ghost story originally was him running in laps. There's just the sound of the laps, which would be a recorded of a haunting. It would be very easy to classify. Then people started to see him. Now, more recently, people have begun to talk to him. And he's answering. There's been reports of people talking to this child, and he says that he enjoys being seen. He's even made comments about he likes the fact that he's made new friends. Sure, this story could be completely fake. Right, if that is something that we have to address with all that stuff. But putting that aside, because it could just be the case with everything... We have always thought of recorded hauntings as something separate than it mimics ghost activity, but it's separate. A ghost is something you can interact with. You can sit and you can talk to it. You can help it get to the other side. You can communicate with it if it wants to stay, whatever. I don't think this ghost evolved. I don't think it was a record. You know, to be fair, I don't think I've ever come across anything like that in the lore. Where you've had something that started off as a recording, as a completely non-interactable phenomenon and then it becomes a spirit you can interact with i do not recall coming across anything like that before that would be beyond unusual what i think it is is that is so weird this boy in death yes he's terribly sad (laughs) we can't forget that part he's terribly sad but he is able to accomplish in death what he was unable to accomplish in life. Sure, it's just running laps around an empty middle school auditorium. But considering that's the fact how he died, that would probably be something you'd want to get better at. You do figure that maybe you would want to be like, well, I'm dead now, I'm a ghost. I don't think he was trapped in this hellish loop of running circles for the rest of time. I think that he runs now because he couldn't in life. And the fact that some people saw him as looking quote-unquote terribly sad, other people have interacted with him, and he says, I like being seen. You have to wonder if we do have this evolution of a spirit. I imagine being a ghost at the beginning is super disorienting and terrifying. We've covered that on a ton of episodes. Can you really tell, do you really have any sense of time can you get, receive any outside information outside of the place you're haunting? Do you have any clue of what's going on? Or do you just blink in and out of reality at random intervals? Which would be the worst. If you're standing there and the next thing you know, you're four years in the future. You're in the same location, but a whole new family's moved into the house. And then you blink out again and it's three weeks later and you're standing in a closet. Like, it would be completely disorienting. It would take you a long time to kind of make sense of things. So I think you could be a sad ghost and eventually not be a sad ghost. I also would be curious, because the the high school was haunted originally, 
all of the hauntings talk about it being a high school. Through my research, I found out that it's now a middle school. I wonder if that, because he's with younger students now, because if he was like kind of a smaller boy, just went from eighth grade to freshman, if he has less in common with the freshmen of the high school as it was moving forward and more in common with, because he's like, I just got out of eighth grade. This is These are my people. I wonder if his emotional range if he feel i wonder if he feels better now that he's around younger kids but an interesting story right the evolution he first we don't see him at all we've talked about i i answer this question all the time online there's stages the first thing is usually you can smell a ghost smell the cigars smell the roses smell grandma's favorite perfume then you can hear a ghost then you can see a ghost and not all ghosts ever i mean this is generally a progression but most of them don't even make it to the hearing part but you can usually smell a ghost first and then hear it and then see it and then as it gains more power it can start to move things around and talk to you i think those two are pretty moving things are actually talking might come before moving things around but it's one of those stories that could absolutely show that and it's interesting how this ghost is kind of making the best of a bad situation but what i find this is where We'll wrap up this episode. That's a great happy ending. This ghost is making friends. And it's not being sinister. It's not, it's not like shooting them in the face with a ghost asthma inhaler. Now you have asthma. Go play Little League and die. And you have to wonder, like, this boy... And really, I'm just using this as an example. It could be any haunting, but... This boy dies in this high school. It becomes a middle school. He seems to be doing better there. But time marches on. Someday that middle school is going to shut down. Maybe they'll build another school there. Maybe the local government will sell it to a Walmart. Maybe it'll become an Amazon distribution center. Maybe it'll be raised to the ground. Now, it's unlikely most schools stay in government hands for a long, long time. Here in Hood River, we have an old school that was full of children, and now it's the district office. It's where everyone sits behind a desk and sips coffee and stamps paperwork. Can you think about what happens to the ghost at that point? Where you go from, you go through the whole process of realizing you're dead and realizing you're a ghost and, and, and you're just kind of stuck here. And you find yourself at least in a semi-comfortable, relatable place, a school. But then it stops being a school. And the next thing you know, you're standing in a walk-in freezer. I mean, he could walk in. <laughs> Obviously, this guy can run. He can move out of the walk and freezer but you know what i mean like these buildings change and i think that would be the best case scenario if it can't stay at school forever that it just becomes another building full of people but it could over time just get sold and bulldozed then you just have a terribly sad boy sitting patches of weeds 
watching the world go by, but not able to leave that lot. Maybe not even to leave where the auditorium once stood. Just sitting there, looking out at the world. No one comes to this part of the lot. Why would they? It's just an empty lot. It's a big fence surrounding the entire property. It's been like this for 15, 20 years. Said he could never decide what to do with the land. Just a little ghost boy, unseen by the world. He wants to be seen, but no one's ever coming over there. I think over time, this is the fate of almost all ghosts. They stay on Earth too long, eventually the house they're haunting, or the store they're haunting, or the school they're haunting, will get torn down. Or reused into something else. What have you. But the place you died in, the place you haunt, that place will not last forever. Unlike you, that place will eventually... crumble. That's not the case now for Charlie. He's having fun with all of these middle school students and surrounded by all this life, these friends he's made. But at some point, that middle school will no longer be there. It's just the march of time. And as Charlie sits out in that empty field, he realizes he's not just terribly sad, but he's terribly lonely as well, watching the world pass him by. It is a terrible and terrifying fate that awaits all ghosts that walk this earth. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day.